Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Dan is bringing you a teaching, so head over to crosswalkphoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Dan. As we begin today, I want you to think about something that I know all of you do every day. All of you do this every day. And then all of you think about this once a week. And that is throwing away garbage. Maybe you don't consciously think of it, but I guarantee you, you go through a process every day by which you make a decision whether something is going to go in your garbage can or not. And so if if you're in your kitchen and maybe you're getting some food ready and it has some wrapping around it, maybe you're to the point right now where you don't even think about it, but you you cut off that wrapping and whether it goes in in the recycles or or to the garbage, I'm, I'm, I'm combining those two. Don't kill me. I'm combining those two only in my head for this purpose. But the bottom line is you want whatever it is out of your house. And, and so you make a determination. Has it served its purpose? Can I use this again? Or is it useless to me? And for that reason, I'm going to throw it away. And, and so if you would think about this and, and go back or, or maybe look in your garbage can or you're thinking about it, or if you've ever had to look for your keys in your garbage, you know that there, there are things in there like the eggshells and coffee grounds and the junk mail and all of those different things that after a couple days then start to stink too. And, and so you don't even want to go in there if something of value is in there. So you throw that stuff in, then maybe once a day, every other day, whatever it happens to be, you take it out, you put it in your garbage can, and then once a week, religiously, you take that to the road, and someone takes the garbage away. Now, what I have found is that the more value something has, or the longer it's been around, the harder it is for me to throw it away. And I have shirts and other things in my underwear drawer that will prove that. That, that when I put it on, my, my wife is like, what is wrong with you? You can see right through that. It is, it, it's like, that is not even a rag. That is just, take it right to the garbage. And I have it with some clothes, with shoes. I can't throw the shoes away, even though they have holes in them. You know what? I need to save these for mowing the lawn. These, you never know when you're going to need a a bad pair of shoes with your other four pairs of shoes from the last decade. Let's keep them in the garage just in case. And that's the way I am. I, I just have a hard time sometimes throwing those things away. And so I need her to tell me, Dan, this is garbage. It's okay that you throw it away. And then there comes furniture. You know, you know that $20 garage sale purchase that we made 22 years ago for, for the kids' clothes, that, you know, it has so many memories, or, or the bunk beds, and the mattresses on the bunk beds that are as old as my children. And, and I look at them, and I'm like, you know, maybe, maybe someone could use these, or we could, these are worth so much. 
And it's maybe tainted by my memories of singing songs to the kids before bed and praying with them and and, uh, just bedtime that it doesn't occur to me that when I, I put this out for garage sale, it scares people. And they're like that. We are not interested in that. And, and it's hard even to give it away. So we throw it away. Now, we go through this process, right? And, and some of us are better at it than others of finally saying, this is useless. We label it as garbage and we get rid of it. Today, as we look at this lesson, what we're going to see is, even though we don't necessarily do this consciously, that unconsciously we can do the same with people. And, and what happens is in our relationship with different people, different things happen. Hurt, heartache, sin, whatever you want to call it, but with interaction with other people that at some point we come to a conclusion that we would be better off without that, that person in our lives. And, and, and so we, we get away from that relationship. And, and maybe with some of these people, we label them as bad or worthless or whatever other term you want to use. But we, we look at them and, and we say they in a sense, are garbage. And we're going to see that, that sometimes what happens is, is we look at other people that way. Maybe, God forbid, someone looks at you that way. Or maybe even you look at yourself that way. That you look at your past, you look at your history, you look at, at what you have done, you, you look at the damage you have done in your life and in the lives of others, and you finally come to a conclusion, maybe they and everyone else would be better off without me. I've I've given up on that person. I've given up on myself. And for that reason, you know what? I think God has given up on me too. That starts to get to the point to where the lesson we are going through begins. We're going to look at Luke 15, looking at verse 11. But before we do, before we do, we need to go back a few verses more. This one is on your crosswalk notes. If you haven't pulled those out, ask you to do that. And this goes back to verse 2. And this is the context in which Jesus is telling a story. And, And this is what prompted him to tell the story. It says, but the Pharisees, which who were the religious leaders of the day, And the teachers of the law, the teachers of the law, muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And you see in this situation what had happened is that you have these religious leaders looking at different segments of the people, and these were people that the religious leaders had given up on. They had labeled them, they had labeled them, they had put them into a category which they considered sinners. People who were without hope, people that they had given up on, 
and people that God had given up on as well. And for that reason, they wouldn't associate with them. They wanted to have nothing to do with them. They didn't want them in their churches. They didn't want them in their homes. They didn't want them in their lives. In the blank, you can write, we give up on people who mess up beyond a certain limit. I don't know who that group is for you. I don't know if you are, are someone who, in, in your family, that you have been called the black sheep of your family. Okay, that's a label. Uh, that, that you are, are someone who has been separated from uh, different people in your family. They've given up on you, or maybe you've given up on someone else as well. And it's to us that Jesus says these words. And I'm going to read the whole thing right now from, from Luke chapter 15. It won't be on the screen, but I'm going to read. I, I think it's valuable to read the whole thing first, then go back to it. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had, set out for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, what was going on? Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. This is the word of the Lord. 
giving up or not giving up. How, that we get to a point where we give up on people, we give up on them because the situation seems hopeless. They are never going to change. The situation is never going to change. And for that reason, we lump them into a category like sinners. And, and we fill that category, as these people of the day did, with tax collectors and prostitutes and, and people who, who do bad things, people who are marginalized in the community, and they're not hard to identify. All you have to do is look at what they do, and we can easily put them into a category. But what does Jesus say? We start by going back again to Luke 15, verses 11 to 13. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. And so it's important as we begin to take a look at exactly what the younger son did. He's telling his father, give me my share of the inheritance. In other words, what is he telling his father? I wish you were dead. Think about that. When do you get an inheritance? We, we get an inheritance when, when someone who has that dies. And, and then when they die, we receive it. But the son is saying, I can't wait to receive that. I look forward more to having what you will give me than I have having you alive. In the blank, you can write the first one. What is the younger son saying to his dad? First of all, I wish you were dead. Dad, I think I would be better off without you. And the sooner you either give me what I'm going to get anyways, or finally die, the happier I will be. The second thing, which is closely related to that, all I care about is your money. So many things you you have offered me, Dad, in life and those words of advice and everything like that and the morals you try to teach me, but you really know what speaks to me, Dad? Dead presidents. Ben Franklin, he speaks to me, $100 at a time. That's what I want from you, Dad, and that's how I see what you are worth to me. And finally, what is he saying? I hate you and everything you stand for. Now, as we look at those things, that that if you were going to look at them from a biblical standpoint on uh, the younger son burning bridges as he he takes all of this and, and finally leaves, that first of all, as you think about hating someone and wishing someone was dead, Jesus makes it very clear that we would call that murder, right? That when we look at the, the fact that he wanted all those possessions and, and finally got them, we might call him a thief. And so as you look at those, those different commandments that, that he's breaking, fifth commandment, seventh commandment, we're told later that the brother at least says that he squandered his wealth with prostitutes, So throw breaking marriage vow in there, that he's an adulterer or whatever you want to call him. 
he's pretty much covering every base of breaking every command that God and his Father has set up. And so it's easy to look at him, isn't it? And to, to look at him and say, we're better off without you. And when he decided to leave, there would be a little bit of a sigh of relief from his dad, from his brother, and everyone involved saying, thank God, I do not have to deal with this anymore. That it's caustic. It, it's, he's like a cancer in our family. And finally, he's gone and, and wherever he goes, you don't have to worry about it. This is an important part of this lesson because we know what's going to be coming, okay? We, we know that the Father is going to welcome him back. But this is, this is the part, this is the part where you need to establish who you are because this, this room is divided. It's divided between younger brothers and older brothers. And, and so in this room, there are people that as you look at your life and you can think about specific things you have done that have burned bridges in relationships and people that want to have nothing to do with you, you're a younger brother. And, and you know this. And maybe there's a part of you that, that wonders, is there forgiveness for me? Have I gone so far the other way? And have I done certain things that, that have made it so God doesn't love me anymore? That my father has given up on me? And Jesus in this illustration is trying to tell you that no matter what you have done, he, he tries to lump all these together to show that no matter what you have done, if you're in this category, you're not any worse than this individual was. But maybe you're the older brother. That when you look at this, you're thinking to yourself, you know what, I haven't really done anything that bad. That, that as I, I look at my life, I, I, I try to be a pretty decent person and, and I think I've accomplished it. I, I'm, I'm the good son. And so what you have in your life, the challenge for you in this is going to be the way that you look at others. The way that you look at a, a younger brother or a, a, a sibling in your life or someone you know who's the screw-up that, that you look at and, and for family events or whatever it happens to be, you hope you don't see them because the family is better off without them. Have that in your head as we continue, which Jesus does. After he had spent everything... There was a severe famine in the whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of the country and sent him to, his, to fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. We'll fill in the blank right away. When younger brothers get what they deserve, we cheer that you look at this and you know what this is called? This is called karma, baby. And you look at this and, and, and you hear about this and, and if you're the older brother and you hear where he's at, you're like, man, it came back to bite him in the butt and it's no one's fault but his own and I'm gonna not lie to you, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you I am happy this happened because he got what he deserved. And when you look at, at this where he, and, and Jesus picking specifically things that would have resonated with the people, that, that he's going and he's working in a field feeding pigs. 
And if you know anything about the Jewish customs, you will know that pork and pigs specifically for those people were detestable. That to have to touch them or or go near them, it was like, it, it would have made your skin crawl. That just the very thought of being close to them, and that's where this individual had gotten where not only is he working with pigs, but he's envious of pigs. That as he's watching them eat, that he's thinking, I wish I could eat what they're eating, but if I got caught, I might lose my job and be in serious trouble. And this is a place, this is a place that all of us are, at least the terminology we are familiar with. And you know what we call this place? Rock bottom. It's rock bottom. It's where you you look at this and Jesus paints a picture where it's hard for you to consider, could this be any worse? And on the one hand, we cheer in our superiority, looking at people finally getting what they deserve. But I'm going to tell you there's another reason to cheer, but it's a positive reason. When someone hits rock bottom, the next thing happens. Luke 15, beginning with verse 17, when he came to his senses. I don't know what it is about rock bottom, that, that if you, you, you talk about that with an individual, but finally when they become aware of, of the, the situation they are in and how bad it has gotten, it, it like shakes them uh, to, to come to their senses. And that's the thing about this that, that I think it's also important to look at is just for a moment to look at the Father through all of this. He gave this son the money to go and waste. What kind of father does that? If my son came to me and said, I want the share of the inheritance, I want out of your life, and I just, but I want the money first, I'd be like... You're not getting any. You're not getting any now. Yeah, you're not getting any of the five thousand dollars I've saved up. None of this little for fortune is coming your way. Yeah, that you look at that, and and this is what the father does, though, is he gives it to them, and 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 so in that whole thing where he realizes everything that he's lost and his father's love that that's all part of the coming to the senses. And I want you to think about that in your life. How many blessings has God given to you that you've just blown through, that you haven't appreciated? Maybe that it took a, a, a death or a crisis or, or something that was very difficult in your life. It wasn't until it was gone that you realized what you had. And many times when you get there, it's too late. That, that, that opportunity was gone, that that window is closed. But now as we look at this today, God opens that window. Jesus opens that window for us to tell you, you know what? There is opportunity. There has been a lot of waste. But as the Lord looks at it, as we've gone through that, if that has gotten you to the point where all of a sudden your senses, you've come to your senses, in God's economy, it's worth it. We continue. He came to his senses. He said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. 
I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And so he comes to his senses, and what does he remember more than anything else? His father's kindness and his father's goodness. And and this is a bit of a reminder, and I've used this with parents before who have had children who wanted to get away from them and maybe have been told that they hate them, that they don't want to have them as part of their lives, and, 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 it's, and it's gotten ugly. And in this situation, the way the father is, the way the father was, didn't change. But the way the son viewed him did. And, and through this whole situation, the father had some control. And, and Jeff, I remember we were talking about this in the sermon today where God is in control, but he's not controlling. And so the father does not manipulate. The father does not take a chain and put it on the son's uh, foot or on his arms and say, no, I'm chaining you to this to to your barn until you come to your senses and you stay here. But God unlocks those, that he lets us go. And, And through that whole situation, he lets us come to this realization in our view of God that 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 at times we look at him as being very oppressive. And he's got all these rules and and we want to get away from God. And that is the sinful nature in us as we look at who God is, that that we don't want to have anything to do with him. But then, as life happens around us and and we sink farther and farther down as we look at ourselves more and more, that they say when you hit rock bottom, there's only one way to look. That's up. And that's when he remembered his father's kindness. And not just the way that his father dealt with him, but the way that his father dealt with servants. How his father cared about everyone. And so it was to his father's mercy and his father's heart that he would appeal. And so he stood in front of the mirror and rehearsed the speech of what he was going to tell his dad so that his dad would let him come back to at least work on the farm. In the blank, you can write, when younger brother thinks of himself less and about his father more, his life begins to change. This is true not only about the younger brother, but this is about the older brother. And this is, a, this is a concept I really want you, this part of it is one that throughout the week is really profound. Because the, the wording that you need to look at this, first of all, you can say that he needs to think less of himself. Okay, so if I'm going to think less of myself, that's when, that's when the son starts to beat himself up. I'm such a loser and I'm horrible and nobody likes me. And you know where that leads? That leads to the front of this word says, God is giving up on you. There's nothing good about me, so there's no way God is going to come and and, and want me to be part of my life. Look what I've done. There's a place for thinking less of yourself in the sense that you repent of sin. But that's not what I wrote. I, I said that we need to think about ourselves less 
And, and what happens is we get into this where all we do is replay the same tape of our lives, of what I want, what's important to me, focus on self, self, self. And when you do that, whether you're a younger brother who focuses on your sin or an older brother who focuses on the, the good you've done or the perceived good you've done, that that playlist gets old in a hurry, definitely for those around you, but also in your life where it leads you is farther and farther on a path away from your father and away from God. So as we look at this, what we need to do is, is think, first of all, we need to think about, we think, need to think more about God, meaning that we need to remember the forgiveness of sins that Christ has won. That when we put the sins of those who we detest or the sins that we ourselves have committed that we detest, that we need to think more about God in the sense of what he has done, about the sacrifice that Christ has made for those who have hated us, those who have wanted nothing but our money, those who have hurt us in the worst possible way, that as we begin to think more about the sacrifice Christ has made, we realize that that, that payment covers that sin. And then secondly, we need to think about God more meaning playing the tape of my father's goodness, about the way that my father treated his servants. And we call that something, okay? We call it Bible study. We call it coming and hearing a message. We call it personal devotions. I don't care what you call it, but it is things that bring your attention to what the father has done and his kindness changes your heart. And then, instead of seeing your identity based on what you have done, either good or bad, whether you see yourself as a sinner or you see yourself as someone who's really good, who deserves the Father's love, then instead you start to see your identity through the eyes of your Father. And you see yourself as a child who's loved unconditionally not more because of the good you've done and less because of the bad that you've done, but a constant love by a father who treats children and slaves and servants and all of creation with kindness and love and embraces you as the son knew as the son knew by, by watching the father that the father would do for him as well. And so he runs back, runs back to the father's arms. We continue. So he got up and went to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. When you read through this, that a Jewish man would run would never happen. That, that when you were a person of respect, you don't go running down the road to see someone, you go walking down the road. And uh, you, you remain in a, in a position that, in a posture that shows your position. Uh, you don't embarrass yourself. You, you walk out and you say, hello, son. Uh, you know, we can have a conversation right now about your future here. And that's not the way this father is. No, it runs down there, sees him a long way off. That happens when a father is looking, hoping that happens. As a parent, 
when, it, when a child has turned, you're waiting, you look at that phone waiting for the text, hoping for a phone call, some type of thing to say, oh, I, I, I can't wait. I, I, I wish my son would reach out to me, uh, but, and I'm going to give him space during this time and, and pray that, that my past and my history and the way that I've treated him with love, will, he'll, he'll come to his senses. And that's what God does for us. Think about that as, as we reach out to him and, and he doesn't hold back with his love. But as we see that with Jesus Christ, what he was willing to do in the way that he came to humble himself, to humiliate himself because of his, his love for you and how through Christ he has thrown his arms around you and forgiven you and assured you in no uncertain terms that your relationship with him is restored, your identity as a child of God is intact. If I didn't say it already, the blank there is when a child returns, a father's prayers are answered. What God wants more than anything else is his relationship with you. And now the, the reaction, but the father said to him, so this was after he heard the, the, the speech from the son, but the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him, put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet, bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. And that's an important part. Jesus in this section, if you look at it, which I would strongly encourage you to do, one of the things that Jesus did to set up this parable was he, he used the example of gold coins and of a sheep. And, and one of them with the gold coin was if the gold, the gold coin was lost, someone had 10, they lost one, and that they asked, you know, would you go looking for the lost coin? And absolutely. Let's say this is 10, if you had 10 $100 bills and you lost one of them, would you look for it? And the answer is yes, because even though you've lost a $100 bill, you know how much the $100 bill is worth? $100, okay? And so when you find it, it, that value which remained there all of the time is now enjoyed. In the same way, with, he uses the example of a sheep. If a sheep is lost, it doesn't lose its value by being lost. The value is still there, which makes you want to go to it. And then he goes to, to the, this parable of the lost son, and, and so if, if someone has, uh, is lost, has, has lost their way, does that make them not valuable to God? Does that make them garbage? Does that make them trash? Does that mean we should label them as something? And God says, no. No matter who it is, every single individual has value to God and therefore to us as a child, as a child who is loved by God. lost and found, valuable always to the father. But there's another part to it. The older brother became angry, now we're in 28 to 30, and refused to go in, but he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours who squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. For this one, I have a question. My question is, why are, did I write brothers or siblings? I don't remember. Why are brothers harder to forgive than children? 
Why are brothers or sisters, I don't want to leave you ladies out of this, it is so much harder. I, I, and I think the reason why is because children compare themselves to each other. You know what? I grew up in the same house. I grew up in the same house and I didn't leave. I grew up in the same house. I didn't do that. And so you get the moral high ground, the holier than now. And, and I think that's why it is. That, that when we compare ourselves with each other, and this is the trap, when you compare yourself, you're, you're going to go one of two directions. You're going to either go into a situation where you're pr- proud of yourself and think you've earned your father's love, or you're going to go the other way and say, you know what, I am the black sheep, and, and have your identity a, a, with your sin. It's like, stop it. Stop it. Think about the father more about your identity in Jesus Christ more, going back to to the promises of his word more. Get your identity through that. And finally, Luke 15, 31 and 32. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. In these words, I hope you, and I know it's hard when you come in on a Sunday to see this, but if you notice before that, the son, the older son was saying, this son of yours, like disassociating himself with them completely. And in these words, do you see what the father says? But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours. And, and what he was trying to do with these words is to show that there is a connection there is a connection between older brothers and younger brothers. And the thing about it is older brothers and younger brothers are two sides of the same coin. Younger brothers think they are not loved because of what they have done. Older brothers think they are loved because of what they have done. And both of them are wrong. Nothing could be farther from the truth. That God sees value in each one of us as his children. And so this is really the story of two lost sons. Two lost sons who don't understand how much their father loves them. And I beg of you, if you are an older brother and you think that's working for you, I guarantee there's only a matter of time before you slip up and then you're in despair. Because now the Father's love that you've been trying to earn, you've lost. And if you're the younger son, you, you know where that has led. And maybe it leads you farther away where you realize, you know what, I'm not even going to try to live up to the older brother. All he does is drive me crazy. But we are brothers and sisters. And the thing we have in common is a loving father. In the blank, Right? How can, I take, how can I take time to celebrate forgiveness? And that is a question you need to answer yourself in the next week. You celebrate it by sharing it. You celebrate it by coming into the party and enjoying the forgiveness that a father has given to a brother. You, you celebrate it as you have opportunity like we have done today to remember God's great love for us in Jesus Christ and, and celebrate as you see a younger brother confess and forgive them 
and echo the forgiveness that the Father gives. You celebrate it as you put your works and the things that you have done, and and you think about them less. And think about your Father more. This is the end now of the misquoted series. Things about God that maybe we have misunderstandings about. But it's my humble opinion that we save the best for last. This message is so important. God's love for you in Jesus Christ and the relationship that God has with you as a father, whether older or younger son, whoever you can relate to or whatever resonates more to you, it doesn't make any difference. Join the party. Join the celebration. And enjoy the forgiveness that Christ has won for you. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, we thank you for giving us Jesus. We thank you for making us your children. We thank you, Lord, for the times where we have sinned and you let us go and and you let us hit rock bottom and and you let us realize how much we need you. But Lord, most of all, we thank you for showing a track record of love in our lives. Help us to continue to go back to you day after day and and realize your great love and to live in it and enjoy it and celebrate it as we share it with those around us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So before we close, if you would like more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, head over to crosswalkphoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. Visit our website for directions. And now some closing thoughts from Pastor Dan. As you leave here today, just want to remind you again of hashtag church immediately following the service. Also, first group, if you'd like to be part of that, uh, let them know at the Resource Center. And I'm going to be around here, or Pastor Jeff is as well. You could let us know. Uh, And 101 starting next week. Final thing I just wanted to say is some of you might right now that as we went through this Bible account might be in the situation in the story between where the son has left and before he's returned, where he hasn't come to his senses yet. And, and it's during this time that there's patience and prayer and, and, and looking down the road. And, and as you do that, waiting for the Lord and, and his goodness and for people to come to their senses. And so maybe that's what your prayer is. Lord, let them hit rock bottom. Let them come to their senses and see your goodness and restore my brother or my sister to me. And uh, that's a prayer that we, we join with you and we pray every week as well. And now as you go, go with the Lord's blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you his peace. Amen.